Welcome to Thinks Out Loud, your source for all the digital expertise your business needs. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Thinks Out Loud, your source for all the digital expertise your business needs. My name is Tim Peter. This is episode 405 of The Big Show, and thank you so much for tuning in. I think we have a really cool show for you today. I want to start with a bit of a headline. So Google shipped, kind of, Gemini, its new AI model, today, in three different versions. And when I say kind of, I say kind of because one is already available. You can start using it today within BARD. The other two are either in developer previews are coming in uh, the new year. And I've got to tell you, there's a great brand story here. I'm going to do a little sidebar here for a second. In their announcement, they did a really cool framing thing. Uh, in their introducing Gemini blog post, uh, CEO Sundar Pichai said, nearly eight years into our journey as an AI-first company, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and the reason I thought that was really cool is because they're trying to reclaim the mantle of the OG AI company. They're saying, we've been doing this for nearly eight years. We're not new to this whole idea. And that is an entirely fair claim. When you hear about GPT, like chat GPT, that stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformers. And the original paper about generative pre-trained transformers, GPTs, were written by researchers at Google. So they are, in some ways, the OG AI company, or OG generative AI company, I think is probably fairer to say. So that's smart of them to kind of say, look, we're Google, we've been doing this a long time, we're really good at this, good, good marketing lesson there. The bad side of the story is that their product messaging is complicated at best. Show of hands. Uh, I know you're listening to this in your car, but show of hands. How many of you know the difference between Bard, Duet, Gemini Pro, Gemini Nano, and Gemini Ultra? Right, probably not tons of you. Again, show of hands. How many of you are going to do the work to find out? Some of you, for sure. And some of you are just going to wait until it sorts itself out, which is an entirely valid strategy, by the way. Maybe they should have asked their AI to help them streamline their messaging. <laughs> it would be easier for people to understand what they do if they were clearer about what these are. And that brings me to the point of today's episode. We are into a place where... Yeah, we're in the early innings of AI. Yes, there is a lot of change we're going to see. There's going to be a lot of development over the course of the next year. At the same time, we're further along than I think most people realize. There's new research that came out about a month ago from the conference board 
that shows that greater than 50% of marketing or communications professionals use AI for a variety of things. Uh, drafting content, inspiring thinking, summarizing content, and conducting research. According to the report, marketers and communications professionals, and this is a quote, are becoming editors of machine-generated content to improve creative output and ensure accuracy and relevance. Think about that. The AI is doing the groundwork, is doing the legwork, and then the marketers and communications professionals are overseeing that work. And I want, to, I want you to tuck that in your back brain because we're going to come back to that in just a little bit. Now, in some of this data, the report itself calls out that there is small sample sizes because everything I'm about to tell you came from the pool of the 50% or more who said they were doing those things. But of those folks, 82% say that it helps them get tasks done faster. Almost 70% state that it significantly improved their ability to get started on a new project. Half say that it significantly improved their ability to understand and research new topics faster. And more than 40% say it significantly improved the quality of their content. Those numbers are big enough that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, even with the small sample sizes, at least among the people using those tools. And one of the reasons is, I'm speaking from my own experience. I completely agree with these findings. Is it possible that it's just reinforcing my bias? Well, sure, maybe. But I'm genuinely seeing benefits in the same areas as the survey respondents. Faster, cheaper, better. That's happening today. And I'd argue that the 50% who aren't doing these things might be in a little bit of trouble. I've said for some time that AI won't steal your job, but smart people who use AI will. My advice to you is don't be in that 50%. That's a huge, huge risk. You know that I like to say that when you build the ship, you build the shipwreck. It is always a good and wise idea to consider the downsides. And there are downsides to AI. We're going to talk about those a little bit more in a moment. You've heard them, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but I don't want to put it aside entirely. I do want to talk about one specific problem for a moment and why you might want to think about that differently. You may have heard of what's known as the stochastic carrot, uh, parrot problem. Excuse me, stochastic parrot. And a stochastic parrot is this idea that the AI is simply echoing things it's already read. It's not reasoning. It's not generating new ideas. It is simply telling you something that is in its own training data. It's regurgitating something it's heard before. And there are some obvious risks there. Copyright or trademark infringement, contextual errors where the thing that it read isn't actually accurate in this specific context. And I share those concerns. There's also the downside to assuming that the risks of the shipwreck outweighs the value of the ship. 
Uh, the economist Brad DeLong had a great line the other day where he said, we human beings are often stochastic parrots. How often is it that we're simply echoing back something that we've known from the past? I mean, think about it. In your day-to-day -day lives, how often do you think deeply about every single situation you encounter? I'm not trying to malign you, by the way. I'm as guilty of this as anyone. There are plenty of times when confronted with a specific challenge, I fall back on what's worked in the past. I'm regurgitating responses based on my past experiences. That's what past experiences are for, right? That's why we want to build experience. You know, the old joke that says uh, uh, experience is that thing you can't have until after you need it. That's why we build those the experience that we build. I also personally legitimately place a focused block of time on my calendar each week just for thinking time. And I usually do about a day every couple of months where I do nothing but focus on new ideas because I want to make sure I'm not just going through the motion day after day because on a lot of days I am. I'm being a stochastic parent. I'm parent. I'm drawing on my experience to accomplish a task or solve for a problem. So it's not that there's no risk there. It's that the risk from the AI may not be that much larger than what we deal with in our day-to-day -day already. The other thing we want to realize is that the benefits from these use, in some cases, can be huge. I had a conversation the other day with a company that makes custom video. They go out and they uh, get sponsors to sponsor the creation of video that is then distributed via television uh, networks, cable channels, as well as on the internet. And they've gone to the marketplace in less than six months. They've gone from not existing to being in over 107 million households plus online streaming. And I asked the question about, well, what would this have cost you to do if you didn't have AI? How much would it have, you know, would it have taken to do? And he said, I don't think it would have been doable. They're, they're creating all kinds of content. They're using AI to do this in a way that is more economical, which then makes it more valuable to the sponsors, which then allows them to go ahead and get the thing made in the first place. As he said, AI is my right-hand man. AI didn't make this cheaper or more efficient. I mean, it did, but it didn't make it... Uh, uh, something where they cut costs dramatically of something they were already doing, it made a thing that they weren't doing doable. That's massive. It couldn't have been done any other way economically and actually been able to bring it to the market. And there's a huge downside that you could be left behind. Again, going back to the conference board research, mid-level and junior marketers and communicators are at the forefront of adopting AI in their work, and increasingly so. It's positioning them as the leaders within their organization in terms of how you use AI. Again, these are small sample sizes, but a 20-point increase in usage over the last three months among mid-level and junior marketers and a nine-point increase among communications professionals suggests that they're outpacing their elders, they're outpacing other people by a lot.
in June, they were at roughly equal levels with senior professionals in the two disciplines. Now they are way ahead. Their productivity is way up. I make this joke all the time about the fact that, you know, I can't outrun Usain Bolt, but put me in a Toyota and I'm going to kick his ass. Right, that's huge. By the way, this this has been proved in other categories. Uh, Ethan Mollock, a researcher and uh, associate professor at Penn at the Wharton School, has said uh, they they had a paper where consultants at Boston Consulting Group improved the quality of their work by forty percent. And he he noted in a recent blog post that there's a key point people are missing in that data. The consultants, this is a quote, were not given some special version of AI trained on proprietary data and with a customized interface. They were just given GPT-4 with minimal training and examples. Boom. That's crazy. Now, the conference board data does show that the quality and creativity benefit does remain uncertain. It's not necessarily as predictable. I suspect based on my own experience rather than any huge data set, that one of the reasons that the BCG folks saw such a big improvement and that so many marketers don't yet is that these folks were already experts. They're using it to leverage their expertise, to boost their expertise, and when they see errors, they can just go in and fix them. If you're a junior-level marketer or a junior-level communications professional, with no disrespect, you may not yet have enough of a feel for what constitutes good quality to be able to tell the difference or consistently tell the difference. So you may, be, you may do more rework because you want to make sure it meets the standards that you need to meet that you're not necessarily as comfortable with. Now, I like to quote uh, William Gibson, the author, all the time, who said, the future is already here. It's, not, it's just not evenly distributed. And that's the thing I want to leave you with today. We're already in the future. You've heard me say more than once on this show how I'm a fan of the principle of who, not how, when you're faced with a new challenge or a new task. Don't ask how I can do it. Ask who can help me do it. And AI is at least for the first pass of many things, the new who. We can leverage a decent expert at any time. Uh, Another Ethan Mullock uh, uh, insight is what he refers to as the best available human standard. AI can help us with creativity, collaboration, and co-intelligence. It enables us to say, how do we get better at something that either we don't know how to do or we do know how to do, but we don't know where to begin. And that latter one is where you really ought to be focusing for now because it will help you overcome the errors. You already know the answer. It's just helping you get there quicker and you'll know whether or not it's doing a good job. There's a framework I really like uh, from... um, Salesforce that talks about enablers versus differentiators in terms of the work you use AI to do. Enablers are table stakes. They make you more effective and efficient, but they probably aren't transformative. We're there today. That already works with AI. Differentiators 
make you more desirable. They drive transformative growth. We may not fully be there yet, though this producer I was talking to about the television show maybe is getting close. And the great thing about this is there are lots of really credible options from which to choose. With Google, we've got Bard. We've got now that the now has Gemini underneath it. We've got Duet AI within Workspace. Microsoft has launched its co-pilot programs in lots of its tools, Word and Excel and PowerPoint and Outlook. Facebook has a whole series of task-built AI tools versus general purpose tools under their Llama framework. Amazon just launched something called Q the other day. OpenAI obviously has ChatGPT and Dolly. Anthropic has Claude. Adobe has Sensei and Firefly. And Salesforce has Einstein. Notice who the players are here, by the way. With the exception of OpenAI and Anthropic, they're all folks we've talked about for years. They're big tech, the AgFam, plus Adobe and the Salesforce. This isn't someday. This isn't something coming down the road. This is already here. The future is already here. And the great thing is people like Microsoft and people like uh, uh, Salesforce have basically said that they're going to help eliminate some of the risks in terms of copyright or legal because they're going to assure certain quality of outputs in some context. By the way, I'm going to put a link to those in the show notes. As you've heard me say many times, I'm not a lawyer, so you're going to want to check that it helps you specifically. Obviously, there are risks you need to be concerned about, whether they are legal, whether they are quality of data, whether there's privacy things that you absolutely should be concerned about. Making sure the quality of outputs match what you want and that they're not going to uh, expose you to reputational harms or reputational risk. I still believe the best people to use AI are those who are the most skilled. You're outsourcing the work that you do to a junior team member. Uh, I've talked about this in a past episode on how to hire an AI for your team. But just like any junior team member, they require supervision. The challenge here is their errors aren't always obvious, so that's where the oversight and the expertise come into play. But you don't have to use some fly-by-night or some random thing you've never heard of. You can work with the biggest players in tech and have some assurance that at least most of the time, the results are going to be what you expect. Where do you get started? I mean, how do you begin with this? I would encourage you to, at minimum, start playing with Bing and use it in its creative mode. Because then you'll be using GPT-4 under the hood, and you don't need to pay for an account or anything along those lines. It will get you started pretty quickly and pretty readily. If you can, go ahead and break out the credit card and sign up for OpenAI's uh, paid version of GPT-4 of ChatGPT because you'll get an even better experience and the like. And it's not super expensive. It's like 20 bucks a month or something along those lines. But you want to get started because we want to start thinking about who, not how. We want to remember that the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. We want to remember 
that your competitors are already using this, especially the junior folks at their, on their teams. They've already gotten started with this. And just like you're not going to outrun Usain Bolt, you're not going to outrun these folks in their Toyotas either. So as we begin to wrap up to the end of the year here, the key point is it's not too late to get started. The key point is there are core tools that exist right now from credible players that will allow you to get started. The core point is you can do this. And the core point is you need to do this, especially if you don't want to get left in the dust. Now, looking at the clock on the wall, we are out of time for this week. I want to remind you that you can find the show notes for this episode, as well as an archive of all past episodes, by going to timpeter.com slash podcast. Again, that's timpeter.com slash podcast. Just look for episode 405. Don't forget that you can click on the subscribe link in any of the episodes you find to have Things Out Loud delivered to your favorite podcatcher every single week. You can also find Things Out Loud on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere fine podcasts are found. I would also very much appreciate it if you could provide a positive rating or review for the show whenever you use one of those services. If you like what you hear on Things Out Loud, if you enjoy what we talk about, if you like being part of our community, please give us a positive rating or review. Reviews help other listeners find the podcast. Reviews help other listeners understand what Thinks Out Loud is all about. They help to build our community, and they mean the world to me personally. So thank you so much for doing that. I very much appreciate it. You can also find Thinks Out Loud on LinkedIn by going to linkedin.com slash Tim, Peter, and Associates. You can find me on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it this week by using the Twitter handle at TCPeter. And of course, you can email me by sending an email to podcast at timpeter.com. Again, that's podcast at timpeter.com. Finally, and I know I say this a lot, I say this pretty much every week. I am just so thrilled that you keep listening to what we do here every week. It means the world to me. You are the reason we do this. You're the reason we make this happen. So please keep your messages coming on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on email. I love getting a chance to talk with you, to hear what's going on in your world, and to learn how we can do a better job building the types of content and insights and information and community that works for you and works for your business. So with all that said, I hope you have a fantastic day. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And I will look forward to speaking with you here on Things Out Loud next time. Until then, please be well, be safe, and as ever, take care, everybody.